In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us this evening. Tonight, we have an absolute treat for us. My guest this evening is an icon in our field. She wears many hats. She has background of as an author, as an educator, as an activist, as, I mean, there probably isn't an area that Carol Queen has not been active in. And, but one of the best things about Carol is her sense of humor and her personality. And that's what makes it so fun. So my dear, you are on with me, aren't you? I am so happy to be with you, Lou. Thanks for the good words. <laughs> My pleasure. But I have to say, in reading your bio, and I love how it says short bio, um, <laughs> this is, there is a lot that you have crammed in to the area of sex, sexuality awareness, and as you call yourself, a cultural sexologist that, right. I, mean, I mean, I didn't realize that you had a previous Right. You know, I I joined the field of sexology in my late 20s, early 30s, and I already uh, had gotten a degree in sociology. And in fact, I was planning on becoming a a professional academic sociologist until I realized that most of the jobs involved working for the U.S. Census, and they weren't asking enough sex questions. So I think I'd be (laughs) interested enough in the field. And, And the notion of cultural sexology is a way for me to sort of wrap up in a package those two sets of interests, because I find that many sexologists are um, are a variant of sex therapists, really, right? We, we, call, we call ourselves clinical sexologists right. when we work primarily with individuals and couples. And while someone who is trained to be an MFCC or other kind of therapist will have somewhat different training than those people, most of the issues they work with with their clients are the same or very similar. So I, that's, not, that's not my profile so much. What I'm mm-hmm. interested in doing is looking at these cultural ideas, the big picture, the communities, the, the political changes. So that's why I, I uh, coined that term. No, I, I love, I mean, because to me, that's, it, that's also where my brain goes to. I look for the umbrella attitude. 
Yeah. And I look for what people actually thinking, saying, and doing. Because as much as therapy, I know, helps people tremendously, it isn't what most people need. Right. They, right. they, they want, it, you know, they want a validation, they want information, they want something else. It's so important to say that because I think many people uh, sort of quail away from the idea of sex therapy because they don't think they're, you know, they're not mentally ill or anything like that. And, and right. of course, that's right. Most people with sexual issues are are in no way uh, that kind of patient for a therapist. But uh, what we don't always say so often, and some sex therapists don't even say it very much either, is that most sex therapy is, as, as Jack Annan describes it in the Plicit model, this is getting a little technical for your listeners, but I think it's really right. interesting, permission, it permission, um, education, specific suggestions, those kinds of things mm-hmm. are what people need. And it's because we don't get that from our families, usually, from our sex ed, usually. Uh, the mixed messages of, from the larger culture are so many and varied. It's not surprising that any one of us winds up on the other side being a little confused. Well, certainly. I mean, and I, as I wrote in the questions, as I said to you, you know, everyone always asks me this. So how did you get into the field of sexuality? How did you get into being at Good Vibrations, being the author, being involved in the films you've been involved in? And I remember seeing, before I'd ever met you, the cover of the exhibitionism for, you know, Uh for the shy. Uh And I thought it was so damn cute. (laughs) With that sort of like that, that almost like that paisley velvety sort of like robe and your head down. I just thought it was darling. Thank you. Well, I was supposed to look all antique and everything, which is actually one of my inspirations for this whole notion of exhibitionism for the shy. When, when you look at pictures of women who could have been our great-grandmothers and, and find nudes from that era, like, yeah. you know, we've, we've been doing this for a long time, people. This isn't a brand-new thing to try. It's, uh, and they look pretty frisky, too, half the time. So, oh, my goodness um, me. They were know, very frisky. Oh, I think so. So many, it was more than we'll ever know, probably, because, you know, as, as you know, one of my other, uh, hats is as the director of the Center for Sex and Culture and, and an archivist. So many things that would document, uh, the lives of individuals and communities, really, goes with the wind. You can't, you can't hold on to the ephemeral stuff, especially in the old days when people were ashamed to find it and would burn it after someone died. Right. It disappeared. Now, it breaks my heart, but that's where a lot of our knowledge went. Right. Oh, well, you know, one of the worst ones for me was Sir Richard Burton's wife burning all of his material after oh. he had he had collected all of this and, you know, the, all of his work on the Kama Sutra, all of his scholarly books. After he died, she burned them. What a horrific loss. I mean, it's a loss when any individual who is bothered to document what they're interested in or has done... <laughs> Uh, has, has their materials disposed of, but when it's a world-class, you know, sort of sex historian for the ages like that guy, mm-hmm. what will we never know well, that, we that was in no. those materials, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the answer to your the answer to your question about how I got into it is really is really two things. Mm-hmm. One of them is that I was always aware of sexuality as an issue and an interest from the time I was young, partly mm-hmm. because. 
as I found out when I was out of college, although there was something that tuned me into this much sooner, my mom had a history of sexual abuse. And she didn't tell me that until after my dad had died, until the perpetrator, who was one of her family members, had died. I didn't know it until I was almost 30, but it made so many things fall into place. Wow. It made me tuned in, aware, something is up about sex. What is it? What is it? And, of course, as a a fledgling teenager, you know, many young people are interested in sex for their own purposes, too, of course, and, and, and that was me as well, and... So between those two things, is sort of the, the dawning life of a sexual person and the, the example of the life of a sexual person where things have gone awry, um, I think I was preset to talk about this stuff for the rest of my life. And the other thing that happened right about then was HIV. And that gave my cultural um, sexuality interests and, and needs to think about things um, fodder for, again, the rest of our lives, because um, one of the reasons that HIV became the kind of epidemic it did was that it was so hard for us to talk, frankly, about sexuality. And I was bisexual out in the communities where I had lots of gay male friends, bi male friends, uh, not to mention, you know, the women who we never said were at risk, and except that some of them were. Right. And uh, so from the time that I was in my early 20s, um, HIV was mid-20s, certainly, HIV was part of my, my life and part of what I had to make sense of in terms of my own life and, and what I wanted to talk and teach about. So those are, the, those are the things that got me into it. Then I found out there was a place you could get a PhD, and the rest is, you know, I don't know if I want to glorify by saying history, but the rest is my life. <laughs> my life. <laughs> right, and, now, and you know, it's interesting. For I had the same sort of trigger switch of when I was a student in New York and all of the AIDS stuff first broke. And I had a sciences background, so I could talk about scientific stuff, but I knew there were very few people that really understood what this virus was. Right. And so that was... And how it was transmitted, because you'll remember all the the Mm fear-mongering that wasn't about how you could get HIV, and then yeah. all the silence about the ways that you could get it. Right. So I, that was, so that for me was like the the push going into it. Now we're going to be coming up to our break in, in first break in, in a couple of minutes. But one of the things, given that you have worked with Good Vibes for twenty years, you got your PhD in ninety eight. You have been this archivist. You put together the Museum of Antique Vibrators. What are some of the trends and shifts that you see that are impacting people right now? Are there two or three of them that jump out for you? Well, you know, I it, it's not the, the deepest scientific thing to call out, but I think it's extremely important right at the moment in terms of our discourse. All of the, the discussion about Fifty Shades, mm-hmm. which has made us talk about women and erotic writing and reading, um, being sexually frisky or curious, uh, BDSM, having access to knowledge or not having access to knowledge. Um, I've been been talking to people for the last nine months about this, this trilogy of books, and um, whatever you think about the books themselves, they have taken a lid off something fascinating. So I have to call that out as one of the 
the things that I would mention. I think the the, the discussions that came to light uh, around the presidential and and trail and and representative elections over the last six months, having to do with um, differing attitudes about women's sexuality, contraception, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've heard the last of any of that. Oh, there's I thought, no, no, no I question. I thought we heard the last of it in about 1979, but it turns out it's been on simmer this entire time. Exactly. No, we're, we're about, Carol, we're about to go to our first break. Okay. Um, we're going to save our next part of the Fifty Shades discussion for afterwards. My guest is Carol Queen, who is a Ph.D. and refers to herself as a cultural sexologist. Please stay with us. We will be right back after this break. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo. Dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Levinsky. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction Hour. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. 
Tonight, my guest is Dr. Carol Queen, and over the break, we were discussing an antique vibrator that I'm going to be donating to her antique vibrator museum, which I've had in my drawer for years. So, so Carol, what... They just get more antique, don't they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what was the genesis of creating that museum? Well, the Antique Vibrator Museum has always been part of Good Vibrations. And at the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, Good Vibes is about to celebrate its 36th anniversary. We were founded in 1977, uh, a, a while before I got on board. And it, the founder, Joni Blank, mm-hmm. who is um, a sex educator, uh, did, did a little sex therapy back in the day, has a master's in public health, also had this small collection of antique vibrators about six or eight of them that she displayed on a shelf, called it the Antique Vibrator Museum, uh, <laughs> smallest museum in captivity, kind of. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, even though there were few of them, they blew people's minds because, you know, in the 70s, there was so much discourse, so much post-summer uh, of love, sexual freedom, et cetera, et cetera, feminism uh, uh, discourse that made people think that that we had changed everything about sexuality. And, of course, when you learn a little bit about history, you know that there were things that we were never taught. And one of the things is how many of our grandmothers and great-grandmothers may have had vibrators and to what use they were put and how they found out about them and all of that. All very fascinating. Right. So people were amazed by this tiny collection, and over the years they would bring us brown paper bags, hand them to us at the counter and say... Found this under my great aunt's bed, and so the collection grew and grew and grew. Ultimately, when we decided to make a museum for real out of them, have a have a whole room devoted to them, which is at the Polk Street store at uh, in San Francisco. Many of your listeners may know that Good Vibrations has uh, several stores in the Bay Area, and the Polk Street store hosts this uh, special museum. Uh, by the time we got started, they even told me that I could acquire some on eBay, so we got a few more. And uh, just, to, just to round the collection out and get some really rare and interesting ones. So we have vibrators that go from before the turn of the 20th century wow. through the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And uh, beyond that, they are not antique because Good Vibes didn't start until 77. And we don't want to call things antique that were around during the time frame that we were. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I, just, like, I don't care what anybody is out there reveals her age. You know, it's like that. So. <laughs> no, because that – and what are the main – questions that people ask. Where did they come from and who used them? Yes, and how can it be that way back in the day, in, 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 in the olden conservative days, uh, ladies had vibrators? And the, the answers to the question, of course, are, um, are very interesting, probably even more interesting than the questions themselves, which are very interesting. The right. real answer is that, that women in the old days may have been diagnosed with a disease, quote-unquote, called hysteria, uh, (laughs) that eventually doctors realized vibration or vulva massage. uh, Vibration was just a way to speed up the vulva massage, really, Um, was good for curing or at least treating because a woman would have, quote, a hysterical paroxysm of relief. Uh, We would call that an orgasm these days, although because it wasn't considered a sexual thing, it was considered a medical treatment. Right. It's very likely that most of those women had no idea that that's what they were experiencing. Many of the doctors almost certainly didn't even understand that that's what they were doing. Uh, But the people who were 
alerts as to how they could make a living as electricity started to uh, go into all the houses in the United States and Europe realized that they could make a smaller version of those doctor's office vibrators, sell them individually to the public. And by 1917, there were more electric vibrators in the United States than electric toasters. Really? Is it that a fun fact? I love oh, my that. God, that's a great factoid. And I love when you look at some of those old magazines and they say, bring the blush back to your face and, you know, I that know. beautifying They're, and healthifying. It, and <laughs> It's crypto cryptoerotic, but you really have to read between the lines mm-hmm. because, of course, a good orgasm does make you feel better, does fill you with life and vigor, uh, does bring the blush to your cheeks and make you look more beautiful. All of that is quite true. They're just not, uh, they're not spelling it all out for you as, as explicitly as we might today. Right. And of course, we know the history of this because of the terrific uh, uh, researcher Rachel Maines, mm-hmm. who wrote oh, the sure book, Technology of Orgasm. Yeah. Who, uh, who is really the, the one researcher that has done the most to uncover the history of these items. And by 1920-something, uh, vibrators had appeared in porn movies, in stag films of their day. Mm-hmm. By the 1930s, the doctors were pointing the other direction, saying, oh, nothing to look at here. <laughs> we're not doing that with those. And by 1952, the medical associations were voting to say that there was no such thing as hysteria. So the fact that a sexual use uh, really became ascendant for this item, although, of course, they're great for a sore back, too, <laughs> um, right. meant that this disease that had been believed in since the time of the Greeks is no more. It's fascinating. But did you see the movie Hysteria? Was it called Hysteria? Yes, yes, I and, did. And how, how accurate was it? Well, uh, not exactly accurate, but it's, you know, really it's a British romantic comedy, not a biopic exactly. So mm-hmm. the name of the guy in Hysteria that invented the vibrator was indeed the name of an inventor of a vibrator. Uh, we don't know that he had the kind of relationship with a, a feisty uh young woman who, uh, whose father was a doctor who cured hysteria the old-fashioned way. Uh, that probably is incorrect. And, in fact, the real Mortimer Granville was a little worried that people would use his vibrator for this purpose. He apparently didn't think that was copacetic, although everybody else seemed to be uh, getting more uh, doctor customers and hysterical paroxysms and, and everything. So the way that it was talked about, though, and presented – there's some there's some real history to that, and I would say that people should enjoy that movie not as a documentary, but but realize that the the, the basic discourse that you're hearing in the movie it has some real truth to mm-hmm. the way it was 100 years ago, 120, 30 years ago, when these things were not being discussed overtly, but they were taking over, and uh, you know the the upshot of that process is. Stores like Good Vibrations today where we can very openly advertise and display and talk about and uh, teach people how to use vibrators. Well, and because and, I know there are times people would think people know how to use vibrators, but honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. They think it's sort of like turn it on and it's like, go right, right to one place. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I've had people, I had a woman who ordered her first vibrator from me and at the time I had a gentleman who was um, my assistant and this woman was like 75 and her oh. first vibrator that she ordered was a Hitachi magic wand. Ooh. Well, 
to put it mildly, for the listening audience, the Hitachi Magic Wand, and here's what we talk about, a company manufacturing something and going, oh, no, it's only used for backs. Listen, everyone right. knows why people buy Hitachi Magic Wands, and it's not just the back. <laughs> well, you can reach your back. You can reach a lot of other places as well. That's Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But this woman, she, she had to send it back. She said, I so apologize. I just cannot deal with this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, here's the thing. I tell people, look, Every woman's body is unique on how she's going to feel things. They, you know, we refer to it as the orgasmic fingerprint. So what you feel and you enjoy is not what someone else does. Right. You can get some idea, but just going straight on and with too much vibration, it can numb. It can, like, you go like this, and you go past that point of being able to build further. Right. And right, if you don't move that with with a strong vibrator like that, unless you're really used to it and, and like that degree of of power, unless you move it around, unless you spread the growing arousal around your body, it isn't necessarily the best experience. Yes, I've I've talked to many women who who can't handle a Hitachi or or just don't. I shouldn't say can't handle. That's not the right the right kind of language. But it's not. It they isn't. Just, they don't appreciate the way that it feels. It's not right. They're not. They're not interested in it for them. Also, the same thing with those little teeny tiny, really powerful bullet vibes. Too small. Too yeah. Nervous. I tell people get all look, the vibrations. Some yeah, women I, are just just not. Yeah. I say. I tell them. Yeah. Look, one of the things you have to be aware of is that. If the vibration is too intense, and I use the example of Dan, you know, Dan and, and Shay from um, Vibratech. From Vibratech, yes. Right. Great company, by the way. They have love, the Rabbit Pearl and, you know, Hitachi Magic Wand. But they have, Dan was telling me about, he um, brought in a really tiny bullet vibe, and he said... Excuse me, I just had my cat attack my headset. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, but Dan said he tried it, and he he said it just numbed parts. He says, yeah. I don't know how a woman would use this. And he said, yeah. I was using it through jeans. Right. So, you know, that's the that's one of the... <laughs> so, well, I think that, I think that these are... Uh, this 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 degree of, of specific discussion about vibrators is so helpful mm-hmm. because I think that most people who have used one probably think that they're much alike. Or sometimes people see the array that there are either on a website or on you know on the wall of the vibrations and are just overwhelmed that there are so many choices. And the fact is that that you can easily group them into a variety of categories, talk about them that way, and and once someone finds the category that they respond to the best, then they can think about what in the category would be their their best, most favorite, most optimal vibrator. But or or for certain kinds of play, a vibrator is is great. Say the rabbit pearl, which is a clitoral and vaginal vibrator all at the same time for solo sex or for when you're doing non-intercourse course kind of play with a partner. But if you want to do intercourse, then half that vibrator is going to be very much in the way. And you do want something small and slender to fit between the bodies or something that you wear or uh, the new Levi, which is intended to fit inside right, the vagina, but still... 
Yeah, we're coming up to a break, are we? Right, we're coming up to our break, and we will be right back on how to use your vibes with Dr. Carol Queen and Lou Patchett. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Second chances. We all deserve them. And we are all worthy of them. Second Chances with your host, Midge Noble. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on TogiNet is like coming home to warm, fresh-baked cookies, a hug from Grandma, or an enthusiastic greeting from your dog. Second Chances, hosted by Midge Noble, a licensed professional counselor, is affirming, warm, genuine, validating, and thought-provoking. Second Chances is a place to be heard, a place to laugh, a place to cry, and a place to be seen. For more on Midge and Second Chances, check out MidgeNobleSecondChances.com. Then be a part of a show that will change how you think, how you feel, and what you do. Give yourself the gift of Second Chances and see where it will take you. So take a deep breath, open your heart, open your mind, and join host Midge Noble for Second Chances. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Evermore, people have the means to live. But no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl. The inspiration for the movie, Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection. With host, Mary Similuka. And frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Carol Queen. And before the break, we were talking about vibrators and how to use vibrators differently. So over the break, we decided we continue that thread. And I said that one of the things that I try to let people know is that you don't just take, you know, the vibe and just sort of like slap it right on top of the clitoris. Or that may not be what works best for you. And Carol, your comment was, well, for some people that is how they use them. Right, right. For some that's that's exactly what, uh, you know, they, they just find the first place that it feels good and they say, let's go with this. <laughs> and you can understand that. But, of course, part of what a vibrator allows you to do is, Add another kind of sensation into the the touch 
dance that is, for most people, the process of becoming aroused. So where a hand would like to feel best if it moved around, stroked you, touched you in different places, um, a vibrator will feel lovely that way too, plus it will be bringing vibration, not just the sense of touch. And there are actually different nerve endings, as I'm sure you know, Lou, that, oh, yeah. that, yeah. that carry different sensations. And uh, many people don't learn, um, well, in sex education, you don't learn pleasure specifics at all, do you? Not, 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 not for the majority. Anyway. Nope. The, kind of, the kind of adult sex ed that we do, sure, you can, you can focus on that kind of stuff, but you don't learn that in school. And if you don't know the right place to look for it otherwise, many people just go through a good part of their lives or all their lives not, not really understanding how arousal functions. And then when they have trouble with it, they don't know what to do. Getting a vibrator can certainly help, but well, knowing more about the way it all works help even more. Well, I, I know now that we finally have, you know, well, you know, one of the things, you know, you were talking about before we went for our first break about 50 shades and they have come out with a line that was developed by a company that bought the, the licensing out of the UK. But in the actual trilogy, they don't really use that many toys. There's more Certainly of the... not sex toys. There's BDSM things that they use to some degree, but, but not as right. much even as a reputation would have it, yeah. No, no. I mean, there's only, there's only one vibrator that's even mentioned, and it's referred to as the wand. That's it. Uh-huh. There is one anal toy, and he only uses vibration on her once in 1,625 yeah. pages. <laughs> and the ball. Right. The balls are very, very intriguing to people because it sounds to, to folks as though, um, I think part of the reasons that people like the idea is that it sounds as though it makes spanking an orgasmic experience, which of course it can be, although I don't think it is for everyone, and I certainly wouldn't say that balls are, are either a requirement or a guarantee that you will have that kind of experience with. Well, so here's I mean, the other more people. More people want them for Kegel exercises these days than for pleasure, although I've always loved them as a sex toy. Well, they can, and also people need to have an idea of the range of what these toys can be because you can have them that are made out of a very cool stone. You can have them that are made out of a silicone product. You can have them that are stainless steel. And really what, I mean, the main idea is that you are creating, and I describe to people, you know how when you lift up, when you just lift your arm with not having anything, you know, you just are lifting your arm. But if you're lifting your arm with more resistance, you're going to feel it more. And that's right. the same thing when you are using these, you know, vaginal balls. When you are clenching, when a woman is tightening her, you know, the, the PC muscle and the whole vaginal vault, she feels more. So Right. It's a, you know, it's part training, it's part awareness, but the, the vibes themselves, let me ask you, what is the most popular vibe that good vibes sell? Well, we do sell an awful lot of magic wands and, um, and really always have. There's, uh, you know, the history of the vibrations. You could boil down to that Joni Blank wanted to get that vibrator into the hands of women everywhere. Right. And, uh, and still a, is still a great seller for us. But, um, you know, the, the rabbit and rabbit family 
has been a consistently great seller even before Sex in the City, mm-hmm. ever since, of course, as part of the legend of our time. Right. <laughs> and they're great vibrators. Uh, and we mentioned Vibratex already. They're terrific. They're the people who brought them to the U.S. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And lately, we've been selling the Wee Vibe like crazy. Mm. People are really wanting, really, really wanting to have the experience of a vibrator that they can also have partner sex and intercourse while they're wearing. And, of course, there are many kinds of vibrators that try to do this or do do it, the wearable sort of um, panty-elastic style. The, the that, fixation? That, yeah, that, that, that position over the clitoris or the butterfly style of vibrator, um, those attempt to do that, although if the elastic starts to get worn, the vibrator just crawls right up towards your navel and you can't feel what you're <laughs> well, you know, the, the woman who created it, she wanted to be able to, and I love the idea of it, so they could have intercourse and then orgasm together. But she said her preferred position for it was straddling her husband's leg. Uh-huh. So uh, that she could use his leg to rub the vibrator closer to and, her. And, and yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. And I of didn't course, know that, and that makes such good sense. Yeah, and here's the other thing. She said that the reason she created it, because she's like a size 16, her sister, who is the model, you know, the former Ford model, you know, is, you know, of a smaller body size, but she said, really, you know, we have two kids, we're both really busy, and she said, I wanted us to be able to both have an orgasm, you know, very close to one another, and that's why she created it. But You know, I think that people don't don't understand the degree to which vibrators can be a really helpful tool for that kind of thing. The, it, even today, the, the 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 notion of the simultaneous orgasm, I think, still has hold of people. It's part of a a romantic notion of sex, for one thing, and it's it's just a it's a because it's not a myth. Some some people have have experienced that. But it's that, when but they it's know not, their bodies and they know their partner's bodies. Yes. So having it happen right away, you know, sort of the, the 50 shades, somebody's been a virgin all their life, and all of a sudden, boom, someone flips a switch. It's, it's the right man for you, and therefore you're going to have great sex and huge orgasms and simultaneous orgasms forever. That, that's, a, that's a romantic fiction trope for the most part. And, you know, lucky people for whom it was true from the get-go, but that's not true for most. No, and here's the other thing. Let's be really honest about what Fifty Shades is. It's a love story. And, and, a, a, and a romantic, an erotic romantic novel. Exactly. Yes, so it's a Harlequin romance meets kink. Right. And right. it really is, and the whole formula of Harlequin romance is he has to be slightly older, very wealthy, very good-looking with a kind of troubled past or something that's mysterious in his past. And she because has to be... Because woman's love will redeem him. Exactly. And she has to be younger and ready to take on the world and a virgin. That's yeah. the Harlequin formula. Yeah. At least the majority. But, I mean, there are other Harlequins that now are... There's a whole range of them. But the original Harlequin romances, that's what it is. But here's the other thing. He knew about sexuality. She didn't. So, right. like, for most women, like her roommate, who goes like this, oh, I had, you know, sex with, you know, the football player, and he was just like, we were drunk, and it was horrible. That's what most people's first sexual experiences are, is with a peer who's right. equally ill-informed. Right. <laughs> but she is lucky enough to be with someone 
who really understands women's bodies. Right. He doesn't understand women's hearts. And listen, I mean, the whole story is about the two of them not having a clue how to be in a relationship. I mean, they're both thunderbolts. Right. Which is totally I okay. One of the things that people love about these books is that is that that even though the the specifics of these people's sex and love lives doesn't doesn't reflect their own some of the tropes that the book uh, works with like obviously you two want to be together and you can't figure out how to communicate <laughs> you can't figure out where the boundaries are supposed to be right. you you have to cut it off and then go back I mean there's there's a lot of us who have had some of those kinds of experiences, even if it wasn't with a billionaire who had a helicopter and a whip. <laughs> never and I think, that that's, I think that's really attractive to people who, who have wrestled with their romantic notions. And, of course, our culture is full of romantic notions for women and men and everyone. Um, and, and so much less information that helps us actually construct the romance we want, that it's not surprising that, that these kinds of fantasies and explorations can, can catch a nerve. You know, there's a, there's, a, a wonderful, uh, there's a wonderful set of books called Carrie's Story and Safe Word. I don't know if you've ever read them, Lou, but mm-hmm. I, wanna, I, always, I always tell people who, uh, who like um, Fifty Shades because of, of the romance and the kink and the sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are these two books which also feature a feisty college student uh, girl and her older, uh, well-traveled lover and much more kink, actually, than is in Fifty Shades. So if people didn't think there was enough of that in Fifty Shades, they should have a look at these. The the author, Molly Weatherfield, is now doing sort of um, historical romances, really the kind of romance novel you have to to go to London and study for five years before you can write. <laughs> but, but no. The first two are, are full-on kinky, you know, pony play in the whole nine yards, and, and uh, many people think that they're fantastic books. I love them very much. Now, and now, now remind, so they, remind me again what, that, what the title is. Carrie's Story is the first one, and Safe Word is the second. There is no okay. Word. She packs it into two, not three books. Okay. Well, we are coming up to our final break. And what I'd love to do is Dr. Um, Dr. Carol Queen also speaks into colleges on a regular basis. I would love to get your input in the next segment on the difference between people coming into the store, what you're hearing at college campuses, what are the trends, what are the best things, and what are the things that we should probably give a little better education so that people can like steer clear of them. Yes. We will be right back after this break. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison. 
Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVette live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Thank you for coming back, and we are into our final segment. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Carol Queen, and before the break, we were talking about the um, some of the ideas and the tropes that came out of Fifty Shades of Grey, Darker, and Freed, and but what I also wanted to do, because, Carol, you speak on college campuses, and you hear what you know so i'd like i'd like you to give people an insight into uh, i mean harvard having the kink club you know come out and be registered but the main reason the kink club came out and got registered at harvard is so that they could get their little hand into the kitty for right. clubs at harvard it had been there for a long time i mean kink clubs are now very common and and on college campuses yeah yeah it's what, one of the ways that that uh, students who don't necessarily relate to LGBT identities have to explore sexuality. I think that's one of the one of the ways that they have popped up. Who? So, in other words, they are not LGBT, so they're not lesbian, bi, gay, or trans. Well, they may be inclusive of lesbian, bi, and gay, but they also almost always, as far as I know, uh, are inclusive of more heterosexual. Um, interested students, and so... Pansexual. 
Yeah, more pansexual. And of course, um, there are plenty of students who are, very, who are very interested in sexuality who are not lesbian, gay, bi, trans. Mm-hmm. And so there's been an increasing amount of organization among some campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's worth reminding that some campuses don't even have a lesbian, gay, bi student union yet. I just um, went to northern Pennsylvania about three or four years ago and spoke at an LGBT student club that had just been formed. So really? I, I tend to think that, that this stuff has been around since the late 80s at least, but, but not everywhere. Of course, this culture is still, the country is still really diverse as far as how conservative some places are and so forth. So there's that. And, you know, I think there's a, a real split on campuses now because the students that are interested in sexuality-related issues have a good amount of, of material to access today mm-hmm. and can get pretty sophisticated um, you know, kink clubs sound non-collegiate in a way at first, at first blush, don't they? But, but uh, there are plenty of young people who are well involved in, in their community organizations and identities around these kinds of things. So there's also, however, uh, a, a lot of students still at the same time who are super uncomfortable, explicit um, clubs who really don't like porn, um, the 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 whole women in porn discussion is back up uh, in many campuses. I would say after having um, taken a bit of a rest in the late '90s and early zeros, I think we're we're back at having groups of people who really don't see eye to eye on this, and and it is playing out in campuses partly because some of the professors are are interested in these directions and students kind of one one direction or the other. But I also think that there are students who are are looking at porn and they're doing it in lieu of good sex education. And, of course, that's not the right information for them to be turning to. But do they know if there's better information? No, many of them don't. So that's one of the places where this gap in sophistication really happens, I think. It's the people who know that there are resources and information aplenty out there and right. have gone ahead and availed themselves of it, and those who don't and are a little freaked out about that. Well, I one of the things that I have seen is that there a lot of the material, if they are looking strictly online, it is very negative towards women, and that concerns me, uh, a good percentage of it. And there's, you know, saying that they only want to do things a particular way. I think what we have to let people know is, look, this is supposed to be entertainment. It's not necessarily, it is not education. It is there for someone to become aroused with, and they have their own ideas already set of what they like. But or I, the person who's making the movie said, let's make a movie about this. And people say, okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is performing. People, I think people forget that. It's, it's a job to most of the people who are doing it, and it's a performance. And it's, it's some performances are better than others, just like in community theater. But it's, it's really important to remember that, I think. And also, the way that, the way that, Porn as a business. I mean, there's one thing that I will give um, to some of the the anti-porn folks 
who who point out that there's not enough uh, agency on the part of the women that they see. I definitely agree. I think we could see a lot more better depictions of female sexuality, but they tend to be unwilling to admit that there are women who are making better porn and men who are making better porn, too. And, and folks need to know that and be willing, if they like it at all, to understand that you have to, you have to consider it the way you would consider TV or a movie. You have to think about it from a critical perspective, not just consume it. Uh, there's a, a brand-new anthology coming out in about five weeks, six weeks, uh, called the Feminist Porn Book that I think is really going to help us talk about this. Much oh, more really? Articulate. Yes, it's fantastic. And, you know, I think you probably know Constance Penley from UC Santa Barbara, who is uh, um, the, the, the woman who, in the film department, has been teaching a course on porn for years and years. She and two other UC Santa Barbara professors are the editors, along with Tristan Terramino, who makes feminist oh, porn. Yeah, Tristan. It'll be very interesting to see how this... this Flashes into the water. And they're what calling kind of it Feminist Book? The Feminist Porn Book. Wow. And essays from people who are in porn, who make porn, who view it, who study it. It's a, it's a very comprehensive and interesting book. Full disclosure, I just uh, wrote a blurb for the cover uh, a few really? weeks ago. Is it, so who, who's publishing it, please? It, it's the Feminist Press, actually. It's associated with NYU, if I remember correctly. So it's a, it's a scholarly press. And so hmm. it will go into college campuses as well as be on bookshore, bookstore shelves, and people will have access to, to these thoughts that, that don't get out as much as, as we might like into the, the mainstream public. I mean, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of porn is bad talk. There's plenty of porn, porn, you need more porn talk. Good critical discussions. I think those mm-hmm. make people smarter and better consumers, too. Right. Now... And, and I agree with you on the porn discussion. I think if people like it, they need to be an informed consumer. They don't need yeah. to be sheep. And, yeah. you know, the bottom line is you have your own sexual script. Set it and develop it for yourself. So right. this leads me back understand to... That, understand that everybody's an individual. I just wish, I wish we learned that one thing in sex ed. Right, and you don't have to have what everybody else has. You don't have to do the, you know, the faked noises and, you know, other things. If right. it isn't working for you, if it doesn't feel good for your nerves, it doesn't. Right. <laughs> it's that simple. Right. There are things to learn to optimize how good you can feel, but if you figure that part out and the thing, the thing you're doing isn't pleasing you, then start wondering what, what will please you. Exactly, exactly. So the, the, the one, I'm just going to, you know, we're going to do, uh, take a couple more minutes and then I have a, a final little thing that I'm, you know, going to complete with. Were there any things at the Good Vibes Sex Summit, were there any things that surprised you? Well, I really loved and, and I think I was surprised by the way um, our three keynote speakers tackled the, the sort of sex so near the election in the context of a political culture. Um, we didn't know they were going to do this in advance, but Debbie Herbenick wanted to talk about sex and the war on women, and Marty Klein wanted to talk about the war on sex, not women, sex, and, um, and Brian Alexander wanted to say, there is no war, we won the war. Now, I, I think not everyone in the room agreed with him, 
Um, and it's sort of too bad that we couldn't have had a second day to, to, to argue and, and have fabulous discourse some more. But, but I think the things that he was trying to point out about how, how far we've come in terms of what we can look at in the political culture as far as sexuality is concerned, I think those of us who are sex-positive activists need to remember that that is true, too. I, I was blown away. by the, it, it was almost like it was all choreographed, but it wasn't at all, and, and it was perfect in that, in that respect. You know, I, I, the one, I also really enjoyed that Debbie um, brought that new, the new results from yes. the, the second part of her survey and basically said, hey, here's the deal. There are women who are still not having good sex, and right. they are having they are having sex that hurts, and yep. that's just like was shocking to me. But you know, and, you know, we we are in a it's such a, a a beautiful and and really I think we have to call it privileged position getting to talk about sexual functioning knowledge and optimization with the people that we talk about so often. And, and it can be easy to forget how many people are so dispirited about sex that they wouldn't come to one of our talks because they don't think it's for them. No, and, and you know, there's something wrong with them. And you know what? And that's where you and I work on letting people know there are places to go to, like my website, loopadget.com. Your website is it is it carolqueen.com? carolqueen.com has information that people would be interested in. goodvibes.com allows you to uh, click through and read my question and answer column on the Good Vibes magazine and, right. of course, find vibrators and other materials, too. Right. Carol, I thank you so much for being my guest this evening. And Great questions. Great talks. Thank you, Lou. My pleasure. And for anyone, I also, if anyone is interested in putting together more success in your life, I have something that I could share with you. You can contact me at office at loopadget.com, and I can send you a CD on success, success secrets you've always wanted to know. Thank you for staying with us and for being with us this evening. Carol, thank you so much. Oh, it has been my pleasure. I hope we get to chat again soon, Lou. Thank you. Absolutely, my dear. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou 